Welcome to Day Zero Update for November 20th, 2022. I'm your host, Chris Ologi. And I'm Brandon Parkins. Yeah, just a two-man crew this week. As yeah. We head into Thanksgiving holiday here. Mm-hmm. Though we'll still be doing shows next weekend. Yeah. Uh, that stuff, but uh, we have a bunch to talk about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Though the list here is not quite as big as it has been at times, but uh, we got, you know... The Witcher 3 finally getting a date for its new mm-hmm. version. Yep. Uh, we got, uh, let's see, some some dev stuff going on mm-hmm. where there's, you know, maybe somebody is switching, I don't know, silos in the Embracer group Yeah. for some reason. Uh, we have Yuji Naka making the news and not for what you might expect. Nope. <laughs> uh, we'll tell you about that. And... Uh, we tell about this little, I don't, I don't it's, not, it's not really controversy. It's just a, a reckoning that a certain figure in the gaming industry is yeah. uh, coming to as a, a new H-Bomber Guy video came out. Yep. Uh, we'll talk a bit about that. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll also probably kind of have to explain like why this guy is kind of a big deal because... For a certain generation of gamers, he certainly was a big deal. Um, but it's just it's it's brought his entire legacy into question. And uh, well, we'll 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 save it for when we get to it. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> expect some discussion. Yeah, we've got the uh, the full list of nominees for the Game Awards. Yeah, and they're very much a list of nominees for what you would expect that kind of show. Yep. And uh, we'll give you a little preview of what to expect out of Black Friday coming up uh, for the for the prices we've seen announced so far. Oh, yeah. Uh, for that stuff. So, yeah, before we get to that, we'll talk about what we've been playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll start off here with I've uh, been playing some more God of War Ragnarok. I'm still mm-hmm. in Spartle Fime. Uh, mm-hmm. Working my way through that, but did a whole nice big side quest thing as... Uh, um, Amir is kind of dealing with the reckoning of things he's done in his past that he mm-hmm. is not proud about. Yep. Conveniently, he he is attached to a man who has also done things he's not proud about. Mm-hmm. So he can kind of give him some guidance for how to deal with things that you can't really fix yeah. in your past. You can maybe make things better, but you can't solve mm-hmm. a, a wrong you've done you know, decades or centuries or whatever in the making. So, uh, yeah, there's still still a lot of stuff going on here. Uh, looking mm-hmm. forward to playing some more of that. And, yeah, I did start Pentiment. Uh, mm-hmm. Streamed uh, about two hours of that, the start of that game, and didn't even get to, like, the, the big story beat that I know about, which is that there's kind of a, a murder that happened, and mm-hmm. you're sort of tasked with helping to figure out what's been going on. Uh, yeah. I played about two hours of it and didn't even get any whiff of that, though I'm pretty sure I know who might get the axe or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's very much a a period piece of a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically like a narrative adventure game. Uh, starring uh, this artist mm-hmm. named... Oh, what is his name? It's... Uh, I forget, but uh, he is, you know, somebody who is uh, fresh off of 
sort of his wandering years after university mm-hmm. and uh, has settled in this town of Tassing. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is in like this first act is in about 1518. Mm-hmm. Uh, so very much the, the Roman empire is still going. Uh, the, the church is seemingly in a way that it's about to get a big shakeup at some point, mm-hmm. uh, as far as I can tell, but you work at a scriptorium, uh, in a, right. in the monastery, mm-hmm. uh, sort of working on your own things as well as eventually taking on jobs from other people as mm-hmm. they need it, whether it's, you know, writing up documents or drawing up, uh, versions of illustrations and art and other stuff mm-hmm. that other people have made. Uh, there's a lot of, it's, it's a very dense game, but it's very neat. Uh, as you're sort of going along, you have, uh, a lot of, you'll see text with like a red underline under it mm-hmm. and you can click on that to the game will kind of zoom out of the screen to show you like the, uh, the edges of a page in a book. And it'll give you like, you know, the the cliff notes of whatever that term or person or place is. Mm. So it's like here's here's what you probably need to know about this thing, this place or whatever it is. Uh, and then there's a glossary that catalogs all that stuff that you've gone through. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a bit of an easier. It also do that for people's names. So you can be like, wait, who who is that? And then it'll shoot out like a little. Uh, image of what they look like, and you're like, oh, that person, okay. Mm-hmm. So when you know you get asked to go find somebody, uh, that kind of stuff, you can kind of deal with that. Uh, your movement is limited to sort of rails in the town, mm-hmm. uh, so you see like a dirt path, and you can walk along that unless it's blocked by something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like my entire first two hours, sort of the the first day of whatever this act is going to be about. And yeah, it's, it's got all the sort of narrative stuff you would expect out of obsidian, as far as, you know, you get different choices and they will very much let you know that people remember things you say, Mm -hmm. Uh, that very old kind of telltale trope. This will put it like right in the middle of the screen, right under when you pick a line Mm -hmm. uh, to decide, which is a little weird and jarring, but. Uh, yeah, you get different ways of dealing with things, and I'm assuming that they will affect how things go, probably just mm-hmm. more affect how people talk to you in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, like at one point, I was invited to uh, the dinner at the monastery, which, as somebody that's not a monk, mm-hmm. uh, that is not something you're really supposed to be in. But let's say there's a lord involved that requests that your attendance be allowed there and then they decide like oh yeah let's talk about uh martin luther and all the the radical things that he is suggesting the church do mm-hmm. uh and make changes and all that and the father at this monastery is very much like man go fuck off essentially mm-hmm. uh and you get an option of like uh don't say anything or like maybe jump in and i jumped in mm-hmm. and the guy afterwards was like, why did you have to egg him on? You know, that kind of thing, and then just sends you home uh, after that. So 
yeah, kind of a, a whole thing uh, with this game. I'm looking forward to putting some more time into it. But yeah, it's definitely it's that sort of game that is like a slow burn of a game as you kind of want to, you know, read everything, look at the 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 glossary text to see like what you know they mentioned like the rule that the the monks have to live by I guess kind mm. of stuff and all these other little details like okay this this at least explains some things mm. and then you get in some sort of important discussion uh, or response points you get uh, a little like thought bubble that pops up that is sort of your uh, you know, like there's the the traditional like the the devil and angel on your shoulders that bear mm. conscience kind of thing. He, he kind of has that here, but I think your your logical conscience is Socrates. Mm-hmm. Uh, your sort of devilish uh, uh, little uh, devil thing is like a fool mm. that you meet at the very beginning because uh, the way it starts is you start this little discussion that is. Uh, in your mind as your character is sleeping mm. uh, kind of thing. And and then there's like a, a lady who I believe is your sort of emotional uh, conscience to explain like, well, this may be going on and you can kind of pick options from there that I think maybe will evolve dialogue. It's, it's hard to tell without trying to play through this, like opening stuff multiple times. And that's mm. probably not, a great thing to do when you're just trying to play through it uh, versus trying to see like how how things change as you pick things. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there's been a lot of characters so far just kind of trying to talk to everybody I can. Uh, you'd have a bit of exploration to it. Mm-hmm. And that like I get to the church and there's a bunch of different areas of this church that I can sort of run through and kind of look around and meet people and talk to them and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And in the scriptorium, we have three other guys that you're working with, and they all are monks, so they are working for the mm-hmm. for the monastery. So, and you get to talk to like like there's two librarians who need like inspiration or something for reference or whatever. You can talk to them mm-hmm. uh, for that stuff, and there's like a whole bit of there's some books that need to be returned that the the other guys have been just leaving around for whatever reason and like, Oh, there's one of them that's, that was banned, uh, supposed to be burned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can like fight with her about it and all that. And, and apparently it was like, Oh, it's supposed to be burned like 200 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the last father, when it was found was a book lover. So he refused to, uh, give it up, uh, for that kind of stuff. But it got inventoried at some point. So the new one, uh, sort of knows what's up and wants it destroyed. Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff because it's it's about a promiscuous night or something like that. I forget what mm-hmm. it was, but there's a lot of neat stuff about it. Definitely mm-hmm. worth checking out. It's on Game Pass. Uh, otherwise, I think it's twenty bucks to buy outright. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's on Xbox and PC. So there you go. Yeah, it's nothing worth keeping an eye on. Uh, the other game I've been playing, Sonic Frontiers. Mm. I got this in from GameFly. Mm-hmm. I played a good two hours of it. Uh, so far, um, it's pretty good for what it's trying to do. Uh, but I would say there's a lot of it that is rough around the edges. Because uh, you've got the... It's clear that they're kind of trying to do Breath of the Wild for Sonic. 
mm-hmm. which Sonic is a character that, uh, if you're not doing on rails levels, can be very hard to control mm-hmm. uh, in the way that they they typically have him controlled in the 3D games. And that definitely bears out some here. So they tried to change some of the some of the ways that you do things. Uh, like mm-hmm. one of the main uh, things you do to attack enemies is this. You just basically do like a big circle around them. Uh, sort of Tron cycle style. I think it's called Cyclop or something like that. I forget what it's called. Or Psyloop. Uh and that's something that, like does damage to the enemies. It might, uh, for some of the armored enemies, it might knock their armor off for a bit. So mm-hmm. you can do some attacks to their body, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you can still do like the, the big uh, lock on dash at enemies, uh, and mm-hmm. bouncers and all that kind of stuff to get around. Uh, as well as you do get some, you get skill points as you go, that you can spend on upgrading. Uh, abilities you can do and so you get like big kicks and uh, drop kicks and a bunch of different kinds of moves all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff uh, still working my way through that uh, so that's uh, a big thing they do and yeah it's it's a very weird game because you run around there's lots of like little puzzle spots uh, a lot of which are just like oh, do a side loop around the thing and then you solve it and it, it'll either reveal a part of the map, uh, which the map is a weird thing. Instead of like doing like a big circle radius around wherever you've, you're unlocking stuff, mm-hmm. it does like squares of the map. And it's not like all the ones in the immediate area. It's like a random assortment around uh, that area. Mm-hmm. So some, so like as you're doing this, you'll just look at your map and you'll just see just a bunch of random squares uh, available mm. in areas. Uh, but other times they'll just add like railings. You can grind uh, around the map. And like, I think I have uh, a sort of fast travel system of just a series of rails to grind mm-hmm. and get you around the different parts of the map. That's just kind of a very weird solution. I believe there's supposed to be an actual fast travel system in this game. That is mm-hmm. not, through rails, so it's kind of that as like a lot of solutions for the to make up for the shortcomings that Sonic as a 3D character mm-hmm. has at his core. Uh that kind of stuff. And yeah, you'll run into enemies that you kill and I think you get uh skill points out of that or XP towards the skill points. You have a a circle meter that fills up as you go. And so you get skill points out of that, but you also just get random bursts of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the puzzles you'll get these like red and blue like hearts mm-hmm. or whatever that if you take to a certain character, you can get your attack and your defense stats boosted up like one level for each uh, one you get. Uh, there also you'll find little weird kids around that you collect. Uh, and if you take them to a different guy, you get to boost up your speed stat or your uh, your rings counter, mm-hmm. like your max amount of rings, because that kind of is your health, essentially. Uh, and they don't... It's hard to tell how it works as far as like 
when it just pops out all your rings. Mm-hmm. Though it's not all of them. If you drop, if you have like a hundred rings, it might drop you down to zero, but only drop out like twenty rings to collect, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So it just constantly puts you in a hole if you're getting hit. Uh, so there's a lot of weird stuff like that. But if you're like close to your max, which I think initially is a four hundred, mm-hmm. uh, so you kind of have to try to keep as high as you can. I don't know it's. It's a very weird game trying to get the the hang of all how all these systems work, and along the way you run into like titans and that are these big like maybe Shadow of the Colossus style of bosses. Uh, the first of which was just a real pain in the ass to fight because it's uh, was essentially like this. I don't know this dude who would just slam a arm on the ground and that that would lead to like a uh, like a kind of a incline that you could run up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the third time you did it to finish off, it would throw in uh, boost circles in anti-boost circles mm-hmm. in there. And so trying to get through just the good ones was just way more of a pain in the ass. And I think it was worth to really uh, have that kind of design there. Mm. Uh Especially because also, if you do it right, you kind of get flung into the air and can just as easily fly over to where you're supposed to be, as well as just not get the right momentum and just never make it to the the weak points that you need to hit. It's it's a lot of stuff like that, and uh, you're just running around doing all these random challenges, and they're nothing on the level of like the uh, the puzzles that were in Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no like dungeon you go through to solve uh, something that's at least somewhat challenging. A lot of the puzzles here are just literally like, ah, you just jump on a thing or you do the side loop around the things, or you might just say like, here, run to this place in less than this much time, 60 seconds or whatever Mm -hmm. uh, kind of stuff. Very basic stuff. There's only one I ran into where I couldn't figure out what I was doing, uh, what I was supposed to do to succeed. Mm. Uh, So that was, the only one, and I think it's more just I haven't figured out a mechanic somewhere that lets me do the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's the most interesting Sonic game mm-hmm. probably ever. Maybe since at least Sonic Adventure, uh, where that was trying to do something big and different. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't succeed at it very much, but uh, this one at least is, you know, a bigger open Sonic game. Mm-hmm. It's maybe biggest fault is that mm-hmm. a lot of your progression is tied to uh, going into the cyberspace mm-hmm. and playing what are essentially old Sonic stages or old style Sonic stages mm-hmm. that I feel like is some sort of uh, kind of capitulance they're doing to Sonic fans. We're like, uh, we're not going to get rid of the stages you like, even though you probably have those games. You can just play them whenever. Mm-hmm. Uh we're going to make you play these uh, versions of these old stages and then give them, they give you like four different goals to complete, like have X amount of rings before the end, get all the red uh, uh, collectibles in each one, mm-hmm. uh it under a certain amount of time. And I forget, uh, then there's just one for completing the stage. Mm-hmm. And so those give you keys, which can allow you to unlock the next goal mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing. 
which is usually finding the uh, the next uh, Chaos Emerald, mm-hmm. uh, which all come in different colors. But uh, the the crux of the story is that you're uh, what is it? Uh, Doctor Robotnik gets sucked into cyberspace, mm-hmm. and then as Sonic and Amy and Tails are flying around, mm-hmm. uh, they end up getting sucked into a random cyberspace portal, and Sonic breaks out into this new world mm-hmm. and then just occasionally runs into these Titans. And then this boss character or this evil character, it's like a goth girl mm-hmm. is also kind of warping in and out of the cyberspace. I don't know. Uh, but then you're in this first area you're dealing with, you know, you can talk to Amy, but she's in still in the cyberspace. So you're trying to mm-hmm. get these collectibles to uh, more stabilize her and to bring mm-hmm. her into this realm. I guess I don't know. It's it's very weird, but yeah, that's Sonic Frontiers. It's it's an, it's a neat game. I'll probably play some more of it. Uh, I did have an annoyance where I was in the middle of a boss fight against this boss that is called the Squid. I think mm-hmm. it's basically just flying around and has like a uh, uh, like this big platform uh, flying behind it, like a fluid kind of platform where once you jump onto it you can kind of mm-hmm. go into you just run on it in like uh three lanes so you can jump between kind of thing and so you're just avoiding shots it shoots onto its tail mm-hmm. kind of thing uh till you get to the end and at one point i just flew off of it so i got annoyed and i was like all right i'll just save and quit mm-hmm. well, i was still technically in the boss fight so i couldn't save and it was like Luckily, I'd only lose like a couple minutes of things I did, but it was just kind of super annoying to be. I even like ran far away, so I wasn't mm-hmm. anywhere near it, and I was still technically in the boss fight. The music was playing and all that. I was like, "Well, this is pretty annoying," and I don't know why you would be forced to be stuck into this boss fight until mm-hmm. you eventually beat it, because uh, there's nothing like locking you into the area or anything. They don't seem to do anything like that, so. Yeah, it's just kind of a weird situation, kind of just a, an annoyance. Yeah. Because uh, I don't think it's auto-saving too much, or at least it doesn't show show you that in the save screen. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's uh, Sonic Frontiers. Uh, let's see. And the last game I've been playing is Pixel 3. Uh, it's mm. out on Switch and PC, and I think mobile as well. Uh, this is a game that is... Um, Sort of a WarioWare style game based on the the sort of MacGyver style puzzle of mm. oh this thing we're stuck on this runaway vehicle it's gonna blow up or you know run off a cliff or something uh, or in a situation where a bomb's gonna go off we have to figure out how to stop it and the the way that the game works is you kind of are doing a series of these situations at once usually like five or six. Uh, unless you find like a secret level um, and you're trying to find all the gags in a level essentially along with solving it. Uh, so, uh, you know, a lot of them will be like, Oh, you pick up this weird uh, item and try and use it. And it just does something weird and silly. Like initially uh, you're in like a, a forest with a fire going on and uh, you just decide to stomp on the fire for no reason, and it causes a forest fire mm. uh, kind of thing. Uh, and so 
like, oh, okay, I'll uh, kick this guy in the nuts. That's a lot of what you're doing when you're like interacting with people, just kicking them in the nuts or jumping on them or throwing them around, something like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of very silly stuff. Uh, yeah, I think the solution for that one is you go over to the tree and kick it. Mm-hmm. A branch falls down and you uh, use it to uh, put out the fire. Uh, or no, you you slam it to the fire. I think that sets everything on fire and then you can uh, get a drink that makes you essentially pee so much that you put out the, the forest fire with that mm-hmm. uh, kind of stuff. And then Another one might be in a house where you know you're going around picking up random items and trying them out, and get some silly ending to it. Uh, the solution for that one's like, ah, you go drink this uh, water, and then you get to pee a bunch, and you essentially flood the house with pee, and that puts mm-hmm. out the fire, kind of thing. Uh, a lot of them have just a lot of silly uh, little solutions, like ones on a plane that's going to crash because the pilots are dead, mm-hmm. uh, and that kind of stuff, and you can. Try out different things like you know picking up a body and slamming it into the control panel, and everything usually cr- causes the plane to crash. So you have to figure out like, oh, I'm going to throw the uh, parachute mm-hmm. out of the plane and jump out. Then you open up the parachute, and it's Steve, it's yeah. a, a character that puts you into like a side game. Uh, I think the the first one you're just picking these random lures to yeah. throw out as a fishing game, and you get a bunch of weird. Uh, items out of it. Nothing really uh, usable. It's just like, ah, here's a gag. Quick gag. You know, uh, kind of fun stuff there. Mm. Uh, but the the solution is you take this guy, you beat him up, knock him out, throw him out of the plane. Uh, you also have to throw out a shovel, because you're going to need the mm-hmm. shovel. Um, but you take the, the guy, throw him out, and uh, you catch up with this other guy that jumped out with an actual parachute and you essentially beat him up with the guy You take the parachute from him. Mm-hmm. But those guys plummet to their deaths. Uh, and then you land on this Island and that's where the shovel lands. And you just, mm-hmm. the plane's about to crash. So you uh, just start digging and you dig down to the other side of the world and to safety. So yeah, it's a lot of fun, silly gags like that. As you try and figure out all the different kinds of solutions mm-hmm. uh, for these different stages and, uh, as you solve them, you get currency, which is how you unlock new stages. As you explore, like a little town uh, where these different scenarios start up. So, mm. yeah, it's a it's a very fun game. Definitely one I'm excited to put some more time into and find some more gags and all that. So, yeah, that's been uh, pretty much it for me. So, Brandon, how about you? What have you been well, doing? Well, uh, as for me, my gaming has been almost entirely taken up by Persona Five Royal. Um, and I'm, I am getting close. I just, I finished last night the, uh, the, you know, Shido's dungeon, which is, you know, his palace, the enormous cruise ship that has the diet building on top of it. Um, and I finished that up and now I'm in the very bottom of Mementos, um, and finishing up that part of the game. Um, so yeah, after that, I'm pretty getting pretty close to where the new parts of the game start. Because um, I, I already I got all the rec- the things that need to be done. I managed to get I managed to accomplish all of that. 
so now I just have to more or less keep going until that part of the game starts. Because um, I remember after finishing uh, Mementos, you have to then deal with, I believe, was the like a, the original final boss of the original version, which was forgot what he's called, but yeah, if you if you if you played. Persona 5, you know it. And then after that is where the new parts of the game start. Um, but yeah, um, excited to see how, you know, what, how the new parts of the game go. Um, especially, you know, how it ties into the new characters they added into it. Um, but yeah, that's basically what I've been playing. All right. So yeah, let's get to some news. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is still November somehow, uh, uh, but uh, there's more Game Pass stuff coming out mm-hmm. uh, here. So we'll talk about uh, what you can grab if you have Game Pass. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Available as of now, mm-hmm. uh, there's Pentiment, as I mentioned earlier. Mm. Uh, there's Somerville uh, that is console and PC. Pentiment mm-hmm. is also console and PC. Uh, mm-hmm. but Somerville is console and PC. Uh, from uh, one of the founders of Playdead. So went mm-hmm. off and started their own studio and made a game that's very much in the vein of uh, uh, what Playdead made, you know, Inside and uh, Limbo, mm-hmm. their stuff. So uh, those are uh, supposed to be a pretty good game. Mm. Like, the only issue I've seen is that it has some performance issues on PC. Mm. Uh, I don't know if they have an update out for that just yet. Uh, but they definitely, I've seen somebody streaming it and sort of having issues with it. And they have a graphics card that's like just above what mine is, mm-hmm. like a 2070 Super, and I have a 2060 Super. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I guess I'll just play this on the Xbox instead of PC. Mm. Uh, let's see, what else is also available now? Dune Spice Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is in game preview on PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a 4X real-time strategy game set in the yeah. Dune universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, with all of that that is happening, they just had a big update, so that's part of the time frame that this came out in. Mm-hmm. Uh, that adds, let's see, military flying units and new buildings, along with other improvements, so you can check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, also in game preview on PC, Ghost Lore yeah. uh, is out now. Uh, this is... I played like 10 minutes of this, it is very much a Diablo-style game. Mm-hmm. But uh, set in, they call it an East Punk action mm-hmm. RPG, uh, where you fight monsters from Southeast Asian folklore. Mm-hmm. So I definitely saw some, like, Jiangxi, uh, mm-hmm. which are, if you don't know, if you've seen, like, weird hopping zombies mm-hmm. uh, with, uh, like, talismans on their face, kind yep. of thing, that's what those are. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's one of those in Darkstalkers is one of those characters, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, there's La Pin. Uh, that's also that's console and PC. That's early access mm-hmm. as well. Uh, I played a little bit of this, uh, but it's a 2D platformer mm-hmm. uh, featuring five rabbits who used to live in a uh, burrow under a park. But construction has forced them to leave it to find a new place to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, though the weird thing is they are they're very intelligent. They're human like level intelligence. 
uh, as in like they have like a lab under the in their burrow, uh, and they have like an elevator system. But like the some of the characters, some of the rabbits have like human clothing in their rooms they're not wearing, and I'm like, this used to be like a human settlement or something under this park, but I don't know. It's it's very weird, and they uh, have their own language that they have mm-hmm. to translate, like notes from humans into kind of stuff. There's one character that does that. There's like a leader character when it's an artist does, you know, art and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's weird. I'm going to play some more of it, but yeah, it, it was very much story heavy up front as I try to learn more about like what's going on. Mm. Uh, but I don't know that the platforming will be like a, it's not like a challenging platform. I don't think I think very much. It's like a narrative game. Uh, that's also a platformer. Well, it does have things like you know wall jumps and uh, clinging onto walls and all that kind of stuff. It's weird. Uh, but there's that. There's also Norco that's on console now. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a point-click narrative adventure game uh, mm-hmm. in a southern gothic style, as they say here. Yep. Uh, I've heard very good things about this. I might check it out at some point. Uh, but yeah, it's on Xbox One and Xbox Series X and S. Uh, so that's one you can check out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, set in suburban New Orleans. So mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, stuff that's not out yet. Uh, there's Gungrave Gore, mm-hmm. uh, console and PC, November 22nd. Uh, it's a stylish third person shooter, meets close mm-hmm. range martial arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not familiar with this property, it had like a not great PS2 game back in the day uh, based mm-hmm. on an anime. Well, uh, no, it was like the a, other way around. Okay. Uh, but yeah, this it was sort of a dude that had guns, but also like this uh, coffin on his back that could also mm-hmm. be used as like a weapon yep. of sorts. And yeah, I guess they call it the Evo coffin here. Uh, this game hopefully is better than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's the thing you can play. Uh, mm-hmm. November 22nd, that's... Uh, that's going to be Tuesday for that. And that's it for this week. Yeah. For next week, there is a uh, insurgency sandstorm for console mm-hmm. November 29th. That is a uh, multiplayer game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that's the one that they're trying to make like a contemporary SOCOM mm-hmm. kind of realistic shooter kind of thing. Mm. I don't know how successful it is in any of that, but that's the thing you can check out. Uh, let's see. There's, Soccer Story for console and PC, uh, also November 29th. Uh, that is a physics-driven adventure RPG where you're playing a soccer as part of that. Uh, yeah, so very much like in, like if you're doing anime, but soccer mm-hmm. as a like an RPG kind of thing. So there's that. And also for PC, Warhammer 40,000 Darktide. Mm-hmm. I believe this is part of their uh, like Left 4 Dead style series. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is Dark Tide. I think it was yeah, Vermintide was the other one, which was a lot of rat creatures. Yeah, that you're fighting. This one, I assume, is more monsters and such, darker creatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see there. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's it. Some pretty good stuff there to check out. Mm-hmm. Uh, for people to play. So there you go. Mm-hmm. 
something else you'll be able to check out here in about a month. Yeah. Uh, the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt mm-hmm. uh, is getting a next-gen update. About freaking uh, time. <laughs> yeah, free for people that already have it. The, the, mm-hmm. I do wonder if this is going to be... They, they say it's the complete edition they're doing. So you have to have all the DLC to get this, or you pay a fee? I don't know. I don't what know. The, <laughs> what all the caveats are on this. Uh, I do recommend uh, trying to get that complete edition beforehand, because mm-hmm. it's probably pretty cheap right now with the Black Friday sales mm-hmm. uh, for that. Uh, but yeah, that should be a good upgrade, because the PS4 and Xbox One versions were a bit rough at launch and still didn't quite get there. Mm-hmm over the updates yeah. they put out later. So uh, this should be the thing that really gets it looking real nice on consoles. Mm-hmm. On PC, that's a bit of a different story. Uh, they are putting this update out on PC, but it's not a separate version of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, they are sort of updating the old game to this new spec. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that could... And I've seen people in the community, they're like pretty annoyed by this. Because, you know, that's a game that came out in, what, 2016? Mm-hmm. That the, they might have a lot of mods installed. Yeah. And the people that made those might not still be in active development on that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if this new version comes in and breaks those things and does not... Uh, it requires a lot of work to get those running. Those people may not be around anymore to fix them or any of that stuff. Yeah. So sort of for just basic PC preservation's sake, this really should be a new version. Because mm-hmm. also it could raise you know minimum spec for playing it, and so people that may have been able to play it before uh, may end up coming to a version that runs worse or not at all mm. uh, for them for that kind of stuff. So that's definitely an unfortunate side effect of all this mm-hmm. uh, for the way that they are. Seemingly doing this, unfortunately. Uh, and it's, yeah. it's not necessarily a thing that they uh, they have no control over because there are plenty of other games like this that have gotten updates and it's a new version. Or uh, I think on Steam and some other platforms, they offer ways to uh, download different versions, mm-hmm. uh, update versions separately. So there are ways of doing that stuff, but they don't seem to be doing that here, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is a, an unfortunate side effect of this whole thing. Not for PC, but for the console side, it should be good. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they don't do, they don't pull a cyberpunk with this. Mm-hmm. That comes out as a buggy mess. We'll yeah. See, but there you go. We'll find out next month, December 14th. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, what isn't happening anytime soon, Dead mm-hmm. Island 2. Uh, they announced a original release date of, I think, February 3rd, mm-hmm. uh, which is not far away. That's two and a half months. Mm. Uh, they decided to delay it uh, to April 28th for PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X and S, and PC. Uh, that hopefully gives them more time to polish up the game and all that. And also potentially gets it out of a a very busy couple of weeks there Mm -hmm. where that game could easily be the one that gets to be the odd man out Mm. uh, for releases there. So, yeah. And 
They do make a joke here. The irony of delaying Dead Island is not lost on us, and we are as disappointed as you undoubtedly are. Delay mm. is just 12 short weeks, and the development is on the final straight now. We're going to take the time. We need to make sure we can launch a game we're proud of to launch. We're proud to launch. Those of you who have been waiting for years, thank you for hanging there with us. Mm. Uh, in the meantime, we're releasing an exciting new trailer and gameplay at the Dead Island 2 Showcase, which will premiere on December 6th on their Twitch and YouTube channels, mm. as well as the website. So they'll have some new uh, footage and information then. God, this game's been in development hell for a while now. Yeah, but this seems to be less of development hell and more just uh, we just need a little more time to fix or finish mm-hmm. things. And pushes them out of a, a very busy time frame. Mm-hmm. Probably is a good benefit out of it. Mm. Uh, as for games getting updates, uh, Broforce is getting an updates. Mm-hmm. Uh, for... Again, that hasn't really had anything for the last, like, this came out in 2015. Mm. So getting an update now is kind of wild here. Uh, from developer Free Lives and publisher Devolver Digital, calling this the Broforce Forever update. Mm-hmm. A, ma- a final massive update that will feature new bros, new missions, and new freedoms uh, being added to the game. I'm assuming that'll be coming to all the platforms, but who knows? Mm-hmm. Might just be PC and Switch. Uh, PS4 was one that came out way back in like 2015, 2016, whatever it was. Uh, I think it had a little bit of performance issues, but uh, I don't know. I assume it'll get this update, but I really hate when they announce this kind of stuff and don't say it's going to be for every platform or whatever. Mm. So yeah, there you go. Might be uh, a good reason to boot up some Bro Force in 2023. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, let's see. Yeah, the the Dark Pictures anthology. I think it's the Devil and Me just came out, and sort yeah. of as is tradition, they teased the next game at the end of the the last one. Mm-hmm. And this one is coming up. Uh, should be started the the next chapter of games. Mm-hmm. I guess, uh, but this one's called Directive Eighty Twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a sci-fi horror entry mm-hmm. uh, coming to yeah, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S, and PC. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, the video that uh, got out of this uh, has been copyright claimed by Bandai Namco Europe, so yeah, no idea. Uh, I haven't seen it myself. Uh, but they say here, reels the voice of a character named Commander Stafford. Mm-hmm. On a space vessel called Cassiopeia, should make contact with the Charybdis marker, which mm-hmm. is named after the Greek sea monster, but also suffered a hull impact, resulting in some damage. Mm-hmm. However, technicians are trying to restore the ship's functionality, so kind of dead spaces kind of intro. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are two other characters who can be heard over a communication device: Thomas Carter and Sims. Thomas explains that something is wrong with Sims. Mm-hmm. And that it seems like Sims, Sims is trying to kill him. Probably seems to be humanity is trying to find a new home among the stars, but there's a threat on Cassiopeia that aims to undermine the exploratory crew and the members must survive it. Mm. Uh, Stafford ends his term- transmission with our next transmission will be broadcast from orbit around humanity's future home. Mm. So, you know, it's going to be a fun uh, adventure there. Uh, with that, but mm. yeah, I assume that'll be out next year at some point. Mm-hmm. But that's a, a nice 
uh, you know, trope to go after now. Yeah, and honestly, I think it's just a, it's a good pivot from what they've been doing up to this point anyway. Yeah, uh, especially because it'll be following a big, you know, 12 months for Dead Space fans with uh, uh, the Callisto Protocol and the Dead Space remake mm-hmm. coming out within about a month of each other. Oh, uh, yeah. And so, like, here you'll be able to cap off uh, hopefully 2023. Uh, with a, uh, you know, super massive style horror game, mm-hmm. which is going to be less of an action fest and more of a, more of a narrative adventure game. Mm-hmm. Kind of playing through, I assume they have all the co-op and multiplayer options the others have had uh, for that kind of stuff. And that'll be uh, a neat avenue to go through. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Fun one to look forward to. I assume that'll get an official announcement here in the near future, maybe at the Game Awards. We'll see more of whatever that is. Mm. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Uh, let's see. Next up, we got some dev existence news. Acquisition yeah. <laughs> news. I don't know. One is an acquisition. Another one is something I didn't really expect would be happening at the Embracer Group. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, they are transferring Volition from Deep Silver Mm-hmm. to Gearbox Entertainment. Yeah. So they're being under another umbrella under the Embracer group. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah, they, let's see what they said here. The reception of Saints Row did not meet the full ex- expectations and let the fans, fan base partially polarized. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lars Wingafors has said here in the statement, the game development studio Volition has been working hard to improve the player experience. I think we're supposed to be having a big update here in the next couple of weeks or something like that mm-hmm. uh, financially saints rose performed in line with management expectations in the quarter going forward volition will transition to become part of gearbox which mm-hmm. has all the tools including an experienced management team in the u.s to create future success at volition mm-hmm. uh, yeah they know that this is the first time they've performed an internal group transfer where we transfer yeah. a major studio between operative groups mm-hmm. but says that it is not necessarily the last uh, so, yeah, maybe this will be some sort of shakeup. I don't know. That seems to not be great news for the people that are heading up Deep Silver. Mm-hmm. That's this development sort of went poorly enough for a title that they were expecting big things from. Yeah, they moved it over to Gearbox, who is a a studio that is well known for supporting their games for a long time. Yeah. And even when they have games that maybe don't come out super well, they at least support it and try to work on it as much as they can. Yeah. So, yeah, this kind of... Yeah. It's just a weird thing. Hopefully yeah. Hopefully it ends up for the best for the game and the studio. Yeah, hopefully. But, yeah, this doesn't seem to say a lot of great things about Deep Silver. No. No, it really doesn't. It kind of just shows the the weird structure that... Uh, the Embracer Group has is maybe not one that's great for everybody. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But uh, yeah, the, there you go. Mm. Weird things going on at Embracer Group. Yep. Uh, but yeah, next up here, Thunderful Games has acquired Jump Ship, mm-hmm. the makers of Somerville. We just talked about them being uh, a big title for Game Pass for this month. Mm-hmm. And seemed to be good enough that they got acquired right away by Thunderful Games. 
uh, who is the uh, sort of smaller publisher that uh, was formed from, uh, what was it? Uh, I think a former, I forget the, the lineage of that publisher. It's like the, the teams at see here, but yeah, they, uh, the SteamWorld dev, uh, the SteamWorld games people, uh, their founder uh, sort of ended up starting a publisher that uh, seemed to pick up here with Thunderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've acquired a number of studios at this point. I think it says their 10th one they've acquired. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's that's a lot. Uh, a lot of uh, indie devs here. And this one seems to be a pretty promising one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, let's see. They own Zoink Games, Image and Form Games. Yeah, that's the SteamWorld Dig People and all that. Uh, Stage Clear Studios. Uh, Head Up Games. Maybe Rising Star Games. Regular Studio. Machinen Mensch. Or is that a person? No, that's a developer in Germany. Okay. Clockstone Studio and Space Lizard Studio. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of smaller devs uh, for that, but some neat ones. So yeah, there you go. Hopefully that works out well for uh jump ship. So they can keep making cool stuff. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Acquisition news. Mm-hmm. Uh, this next one is just a very weird story, especially the way it was sort of initially uh, reported uh, that like uh, there was some, uh, insider trading going on related to Dragon Quest mm-hmm. and a legendary developer getting arrested and a lot of people took the wrong Yuji. Yeah. Know, Yuji Hori. Yeah. Uh, well, what the fuck's going on here? Uh, but yeah. no, it was uh, Yuji Naka, among others, have yeah. been arrested on insider trading charges related mm-hmm. to a Dragon Quest game announcement. Mm-hmm. It's not the one you're thinking of. Uh, it around, centers around a studio called Aiming, mm-hmm. who announced in 2020 uh, was the developer of a game called Dragon Quest Tact. Yeah. Mobile game. Uh, it was alleged that 38-year-old Square Enix employee Taisuke Suzaki, who has worked on Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts games, knew the deal before it was public announced, mm-hmm. and along with a friend, purchased a ton of shares in Aiming, hoping to profit when the share price went up, which is not a thing you should do. If you want to not get arrested. Yuji Naka was involved in this as he was a part of Square Enix at the time, working on Bell and Wonderworld. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has since been arrested as well on similar charges. Uh, he's accused of also knowing about the aiming deal before it was public news, taking the opportunity to purchase 10,000 shares in the company, mm-hmm. which that is a lot of shares. That's definitely an amount that suggests like, oh, you know something. Mm-hmm. Or you got a lot of money to spend on it, but uh, he was arrested by Tokyo District Poli- Public Prosecutor's Office, mm-hmm. uh, alleged to have purchased ten thousand shares worth about two point eight million yen, or around twenty thousand dollars U.S. Uh, Suzaki, meanwhile, is accused of buying twenty six point four million yens worth of shares, around one hundred eighty eight thousand dollars U.S. Mm-hmm. That's definitely going to be a tip off and. Uh, there's another guy that got arrested in this process as well. So I'm assuming that top guy got arrested and ratted out everybody else. 
Yep. That was involved. Uh, no word on whether they still own those shares or they sold them all for profit mm-hmm. or whatever happens. Uh, so curious to see uh, where this goes, if they do hard time or if they get off easy. That mm-hmm. the guy that bought, you know, $188,000 worth of shares probably going to get harder harder charges over the other ones. Mm. Uh, but we'll have to see how that goes. It's just kind of a a wild story. You see, like a, a legendary developer getting arrested for insider charges for a publisher nobody remembered he was really at. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Dragon Quest got somebody arrested. Mm-hmm. Three people arrested. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Kind of a, a wild story. Uh, but yeah, let's get to the next one here. Uh, it is... What is it? Is this H Palmer guy's first video of the year? Yeah, um, he, so. yeah, he he typically he typically keeps his. Uh, he, oh, no, all, he put out he put out the uh, crap. What is it? I got a, the vaccine video. Yeah, no, 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 no. He put out a different thing. Uh, uh Deus Ex Human Revolution yeah. video. He put yeah, out he did two, that one. So this three is like, and a half hours of. Saying a game is all right. Yeah. <laughs> that's some that's, good and bad things. Yeah, that's uh, actually not unusual for him. But uh, this is like his second video of the year. Yeah. Uh, and this one was one that was just him looking into the uh, the oof sound from Roblox. That was kind of a a popular sound effect from there. Yeah. That, and, then it, and then it just spiraled out of control. Yeah, because... The the basic premise was that he was looking at this, thought it was like an interesting story, and like yeah, oh yeah, Tommy Tallarico said he created that, so let's see like where this sound effect came from and all that, and it kind of spirals out in yeah a wild way as he finds out like oh yeah, this oof sound seems like it came from a game called Messiah that came out many a years long time ago, ago. yeah, uh, so um, the mid. Or early two thousands PC game. Well, it, it's funny that that Messiah is the game to get brought up because I remember back in the day this game got hyped up to hell and back in like all the gaming magazines because it was it was being put out by Shiny Entertainment and Shiny Entertainment are the people who gave us the first two Earthworm Gem games. They gave us MDK Wild Nine. They were sort of known for being kind of wacky innovators back in the day. And the game was going to be, they, they kept saying this game was going to be like revolutionary. Um, because the main character that you played is this little cherub who doesn't have any attacks on their own, but they can possess other people that can then be used for their own unique attacks. Um, yeah. The game came out and kind of flopped because it had it had been through development hell for so long, and then it by the time it did come out, it, the the overall technology had had moved on, and it was just long past the point anybody gave yeah. a shit. Everything I've seen about this game is it was kind of a janky mess. Yeah, that's that's saying something for the early two thousands like three D PC games. Yeah, where a lot of them were kind of janky. Yeah, but this one was especially. Just well, kind you of- also have to remember that it's a. Uh, early 2000s jank that was built on tech from like the mid to late 90s. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so the story goes is, okay, so this game is the origin of this sound effect. And uh, originally a lot of people thought it was only in the ending, but no, it's actually all over the game. Um, and so what happened is uh, H-Bomber guy, he decided to sort of look into the actual files for the game. He found out uh, the sound effect was created by this guy named Joey Kouris, who was working for this company called Tommy Tallarico Studios. Yeah. Um, and it then went in spirals out of control into this. It's like, okay, so it's it's it gets weird because Tommy is a... How can I put it? If you're part of a certain generation of gamers, which I'm a part of, um, Tommy was kind of a big deal. He was the first sort of composer of video game music over in the Western world to really get any kind of recognition. Um, he was the composer for, I mentioned, you know, Shiny Entertainment. He actually was kind of their go-to guy for a lot of their music, but he also did music for games like Cool Spot and Advent Rising. And, you know, he, he was kind of all over the place. Um and he started this company that, you know, would do sound design for various company, for various games. Um, and he also, like, uh, on, among other things, he was one of the first people to sort of bring video game reviews to television without it seeming contrite or cringy, you know, by at least by, like, early 2000 standards. And he's also the guy who kind who helped bring video games live, which is a, you know, a... A sort of symphonic project that, you know, is a celebration of video game music. Um, yeah. And it's like, you know, the, the dude has, like, legit accolades behind his name. Yeah. But the thing is, Tommy's always been kind of a lightning rod of controversy, even way back when. And, you know, people had been saying for years, it's like, look, this dude can't be trusted. He's constantly, like you know, inflating his impact on any project he's ever been on. And it's, it, and, you know, it kind of gets into sort of how he uses the fact that people, you know, attribute any work to his company as if somehow he himself personally worked on it. But as you find out, no, a lot of that sound design is mainly Joey Curis's work. And then it all spirals into this, like, huge just series of, like, lies and half-truths and stuff that Tommy has made over the years. And, you know, it, it kind of also links to, like, the whole debacle with the Intellivision Amico that he was trying to, trying to put out there. And, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. It's like, and it's like, it, it, it's just all this bizarre shit, like... You know, he like, oh, I was on an episode of Chris, except no, he wasn't. It was a completely different program that he then uploaded onto his YouTube channel and called it MTV Cribs. Yeah, he had it labeled correctly on the old version of his site mm-hmm. uh, before YouTube existed. You know, he linked yeah. to uh, it's a UK TV show called Gamer.TV. Yeah. You know, link to there to download the video and watch it. And he then uploaded himself onto his YouTube yeah. But just named it MTV Cribs and like someone had like a version of it that didn't have all the weird graphics that mm-hmm. uh, was in the original video. 
yeah uh like the the master cut or whatever mm-hmm. to it that's you know it's like constantly claims like he's been on there a few times even though it's just the once yeah and he has like a, a mansion that's just a very garish nerdy mansion yeah which i mean would be fine you know honestly would be fine if it weren't for the fact that he's such a raging douchebag man yeah uh which makes sense because there was a revelation amongst all the uh television amico stuff that you know he followed all sorts of right wing people on Twitter. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this guy is a right winger. That makes everything make a lot more sense that he is basically gaming's Trump. Yeah. He's making grand claims about yeah. the things he's done. Like he's he goes into the claim he's made, like he's one of the first, if not the first, Americans to work on Sonic the Hedgehog. Which is not true, not even close, because the original uh, the original Sonic the Hedgehog was a group effort with Sega of America. So yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog two was was a Sega of America thing, but they're also obviously Americans that worked on the original to localize it for its yeah. Western release. And freaking Michael Jackson of all people helped make the music for Sonic three, and even that turns out to be kind of bullshit. We find out. Yeah, um, well, that's, that's a common thing with musicians is that they have yeah. people under them that work. Uh, and do a lot of things for them. But, mm-hmm. like, obviously, Michael never went around saying he worked on Sonic the Hedgehog. It was just kind of a weird urban legend yeah. thing. Um, there's that, and there's, like, the whole thing around his uh, Guinness World Records. Oh, yeah. That, that he talks a lot about and shows them often. Yeah, and those, that, that whole, those whole record, the whole thing with the Guinness World Records in itself is a, huge rabbit hole because and it's 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 something that people don't realize about the guinness world records is that you can just pay them mm-hmm. to set up situations for you to mm-hmm. maybe set a record or whatever and this isn't even about the actual guinness world records this is for the their gamer uh records or game mm-hmm. records uh whatever they're like offshoot stuff yeah to which he has been awarded like honorary ones which are mm-hmm. which means they're not ones that can be attempted by other people or, you know, uh, one away from him. So it's like, oh, he claimed he had seven of them, but in actuality he had uh, three, I think. And whenever he just got an updated version, he just added that to as like a separate one. Yeah. And the thing is, like, it it gets even funnier because H guy actually goes onto Guinness's archives and like searches Tommy's name. And they only have like two of his records on file. And then the next day he goes back to confirm it. Well, no, no, no. Actually, what he did is he like wrote to them, apparently, trying to like confirm the nature of it. And then the next day he goes on and one of the five and one of the one of the records has been wiped from the website. Yeah. And it's it's like all he did was just look at the video of him showing them up close up (laughs) and seeing like. Oh, the texts on these two are the same. It's just yeah. they changed the number because it's one of them's involving video games live, and it's like mm-hmm. once they did more, they eventually presented him with another one mm-hmm. for that. And like he, and I guess they even sell like the specific frames that go with them, mm-hmm. and he refused to pay for like successive ones, so he just mm-hmm. swapped them over and got a cheap re- replica version uh, to replace uh, the older ones with, mm-hmm. and it's like. Number of these are just the duplicates. 
Yeah. It just keeps around because it makes him look better to have seven instead of three mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, you know, it's, it's one of the things is like he embellishes a lot of stuff, uh, which people already knew that he, you know, was not a person that has as big of an accomplishment or the amount of accomplishments that he has claimed on his website. Like he, yeah. like supposedly being the, the person that's worked on the most games ever, which is not true and can easily be verified, but yeah, it's like his own website, like list games separately on platforms. Yeah. So like if a game's released on, you know, Super Nintendo, Genesis, PlayStation, PC, Game Boy, yeah. five different times. Yep. And I was like, that's not five different projects. You could maybe make a case for like the Game Boy version would be different than the others, like potentially, but even then that's a dubious thing. Yeah. And it's like, he also goes into the claim that he worked on Metroid Prime for five years with Shigeru Miyamoto. Which is personally so not true. And it's like, they worked like on it initially for a little bit before uh, they're, you know, weren't asked to keep working with them. Yeah. Because that game had you know, a lot of troubles early on. Yeah. Like, uh, for the record, like, uh, just sort of bring up on uh, Let's Weekend for my uh, random factoid, I actually talked about sort of retro studios. And I bring up the fact that, you know, the, when that studio started out, uh, Metroid prime was like one of like five or six different projects. They were all trying to work on at the same time. Yeah. And they pissed away just too much time and money that they finally had to just, you know, cancel all the other projects and focus on Metroid prime. More than likely that's the time period that Tommy Tallarico was working with them. Yeah. And like he, he attributes all of the games that his studios worked on in some form or another to yeah. himself. Yeah. Which again, know, not not it's most of that work is not him. It's again, it's Joey Curris. Yeah. Um, if you wanted to go for that award under Tommy Tellerker's studios, like you could mm-hmm. maybe make a case for that. Yeah. But even then, you know, that's there's a lot of work that would have to be done to verify all this stuff and it's uh it's not easy with the way that studios are doing credits at times, especially back mm-hmm. in the 90s. Oh, uh, yeah. All that kind of stuff. Like, he even goes on a tangent about how, like, Street Fighter 2 had a bunch of women that worked on the audio team doing music and sound effects and such. Yeah. And a lot of them have been, you know, wiped out of the credits over mm-hmm. the years as they did re-releases and such. Yep. Because, uh, yeah, re-releases are another... Weird place with that as far as, you know, you do the credits for the old team and new team, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And a lot of studios didn't do, you know, both. And especially for work that goes through multiple studios, mm-hmm. uh, that stuff's a lot better these days. Yeah. Uh, but still not great. And you kind of end the video being like, yeah, like credit is a, a thing that really needs to be done right by studios, you know, from. Uh, back in the day to now. Mm. Uh, and that's like what is the crux of the problem here is like Joey Curious should be more of a name in the industry. Yeah. For the work he's done through yeah. a lot of different games. And he seems to be a sort of person that doesn't want to be the, you know, braggadocious guy that mm-hmm. Tommy Tallarico is. Which, you know, that's all well and good. Totally fine. But it's wrong that Tommy takes all the credit for his work. Yeah. Um, 
And again, the whole thing is just crazy because it's like, Tommy, you don't need to do all of this. You've already made your name legitimately in the industry already. Yeah. Like you 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 were one of the first composers in the industry to get any recognition in the West. You helped start video games live. You were one of the first people to bring video game reviews to television. You you don't need to do all this. Yeah. It's it's a whole thing where if he was more honest about the things he's done, yeah, he would, you know, be a notable person by that alone. Yeah, and it's like because of his actions, it's now brought his entire legacy into question now. Like we do genuine like now we have to ask like did this guy actually do all the music that he claims he did now? Yeah. Like did did he actually you know, did he actually compose the music for Earthwork Jim and Earthworm Jim 2 and Cool Spot and MDK and all those games? Yeah. Because because of your behavior, we don't know anymore, Tommy. Yeah. You'd have to ask, you know, Joey Curris and anybody mm-hmm. else that's worked at his studio over the years. Yeah. And it's not even like a studio that does much these days. Yeah. I'm and see, at- even his even his lies have got to He's start like in the last few years, he's taken credit for doing the music for the first Earthworm Jim. He did not do the music for the first Earthworm Jim. That was another dude. The only Im- involvement that he has with uh, with the uh, first Earthworm Jim's audio is his company helped convert the audio into other formats. Yeah, that's it. He did do the music on Earthworm Jim too, but now because how much his bullshit has sort of brought everything into scrutiny, we even have to ask the question if he did even that. Yeah. And it's like a a thing that probably would be a huge undertaking to sort of really go through credits of old games and sort of mm-hmm. scrutinize who gets credited for what. And that's not something that people are going to be able to do. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, those people may not be accessible anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, those people may not be, you know, living anymore for how old some of these games are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's just probably a lot of documentation for who did what mm. that can be lost to time. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate. That's why people try to preserve this stuff. Uh, you know, uh, I know. There are different places like Moby Games and Giant Bomb that try to get the credits down Mm -hmm. uh, for all these games uh, right away, uh, written down so that, you know, updates or re-releases or whatever can't erase who worked on what. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, a lot of old Japanese games had nicknames for people. Yeah, because they didn't want other companies poaching their staff. Yeah, and it's like, okay, who, who was what? I think for like the the Street Fighter Two example, like some of those releases had, you know, some shitty pictures next to them, but pictures nonetheless that could help narrow mm-hmm. down who was what, uh, that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's in the end, it's kind of a, a an episode about preservation of games and uh, the history of them and how mm-hmm. the stuff got worked on, who made it, who did what, who had the uh, the big roles. And you still lose a lot there, like who came up with, you know, this idea for 
this mechanic or this idea for a level or, you know, those core ideas, that stuff, you know, gets easily lost to time because those devs don't talk about it as much Mm -hmm. uh, for a lot of that stuff. These days are a little bit better because you get, you know, the studios doing behind the scenes videos and such and you place like no clip and other places that do little documentaries about games, classic games or newer games or whatever that mm-hmm. people want to hear more about this stuff. So yeah, that's kind of a, it's a video that's worth checking out. It's about two hours mm-hmm. of uh, sort of this rabbit hole that he goes down to that ultimately is sort of meaningless bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like his vaccine video where you're legitimately getting mad the further you get yeah. into it. Mm-hmm. It builds up in such a way that you're you're wondering how anybody could be fooled by anti-vaccine rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Uh, where here it's like, this guy is a complete joke of a, of a person in yeah. this industry who has made it so easy to poke holes in a lot of the ludicrous things he says. Mm-hmm. That, you know, you would have people probably at this point sort of looking back at everything he's credited for and seeing how it actually looks in the game's credits and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe articles and such that could confirm or deny whatever happened. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Definitely worth that. Yeah, Go it's going to be worth seeing how Tommy's actually going to react to this because... Tommy Tallarico is not, it's not unheard of for him to basically search his own name on Google and comment on random shit that he's mentioned in. Um, but he, th- this, I mean, he, admittedly, after the Amico mess, he's kind of been keeping his mouth shut, but I would not be surprised if we hear a, re- a response from him at some point, because, yeah, I mean, this is just too much. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. That's uh, that's that video. Yeah, Let's watch it. Yeah, it's about two hours long, and what is worth your time? Yeah. Uh, yeah, something else that'll be a few hours long. The Game Awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, they announced their nominations. I guess they had like a weird stream. Uh, to announce them, I guess I didn't watch it because it's like it's gonna be a list. It's not. It's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll go through a bunch of these here because there's there's a lot of interesting choices and the way this all works. Jeff Keighley does not make any decisions in this mm-hmm. stuff. He just has a a crew of sites. I think around a hundred different sites that have you know a representative that you know puts in nominations for these different categories and the ones that get the most votes get to make the final nominees. Mm-hmm. That's basically how that works. So. You lose a lot of the maybe the more important important or the more correct choices for some of this stuff for mm-hmm. the stuff that is more popular, uh, more mainstream. Well, it does lead to some weird choices where it's like for Game of the Year, they have a Plague Tale Requiem, which mm-hmm. is like, I'm sure it's a good game, but that's I'm betting that's on there because of recency bias because this game came out probably shortly before you know people needed to finalize their lists. Yeah. And I was probably like, oh, that's that's a good game that came out this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Elden Ring, as expected. Mm-hmm. God of War Ragnarok, as expected. Uh, Horizon Forbidden West, also expected. And you get Stray, which is a good game. Uh, mm. But definitely a bit of a surprise 
seems like the token indie game in the mm-hmm. list. Yeah. Uh, of sorts. So, uh, but also that was a game that had uh, a big zeitgeist for a while at, when it launched. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, here's that cute kick, uh, cat game, uh, like cyberpunk cat game, whatever. Yeah. Uh, then kind of the surprise here is Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Yeah. Uh, probably also a bit of recency bias because that came out in the summer. Yeah, but apparently it's legit great, and I wouldn't yeah. know because I haven't been able to play it yet. But yeah, I'm putting it on my Christmas list. So yeah, that. Uh, let's see, best game direction. Uh, it'd also be a good idea to go to the Game Awards official website to see like what the descriptions for these categories are. Yeah, uh, for that stuff that could be explained better, like best game direction, mm-hmm. which they describe as. Uh, for awarded for outstanding creative vision and innovation in game direction and design, mm-hmm. which is like okay, that's a thing that somebody said. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Immortality, and Stray. And it's like you could use this as like a thing for like the games with the most interesting game design and direction to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe get rid of some of these big budget games out of here. Uh, that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, there you go for that. Best narrative, they got Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, and Immortality. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, Elden Ring, I guess, has a narrative to it. Definitely, but I don't know if it's like a noteworthy narrative to it. Uh, so there's like, there's questionable choices here. Like Elden Ring again for best art direction, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West. Scorn and Stray. Scorn very much seems like a recency bias thing. Mm-hmm. It also has an interesting art direction. Yeah. And all that. Uh, let's see here. Next one, Best Score in Music. A Plague Tale, Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War, Ragnarok, Metal Hell Singer, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. And it's like, yeah, you're seeing like same three or four in like most of these categories. Mm-hmm. It's like Best Audio Design, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2, Elden Ring, God of War, Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Gran mm-hmm. Turismo 7. And it's like, what is Call of Duty doing audio-wise that is like top, you know, top of the pile? Yeah. Seriously. Kind of stuff. I don't say it's like bad or anything. It's like, what is it doing noteworthy? And so they got like Best Performance. And there's Ashley Birch for Horizon Forbidden West. Mm-hmm. Charlotte McBurney for Plague Tale Requiem. Christopher Judge from God of War Ragnarok, mm-hmm. uh, Manning Gage from Immortality, and Sonny Soljic from God of War Ragnarok. It's like, all right, yeah. Games for Impact, which is a weird category at these days, for a thought-provoking game with a pro-social meaning or message. Mm-hmm. It's like, I sort of get what they mean, but it seems like to suggest like those sort of games are not going to make the other categories mm-hmm. uh, for various reasons. But there's like a memoir blue, Mm-hmm. As Dusk Falls, as Dusk Falls, uh, Citizen Sleeper, I was a teenage exocolonist. Hindsight, mm-hmm. and Endling Extinction is forever. Yeah, and it's like uh, it's a shame Hard Space Shipwrecker didn't make it in there mm-hmm. for its whole dialogue about unionization and all that. Yeah, uh, let's see, Best Ongoing, which is a game for outstanding development of ongoing content that evolves the player experience over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy 14, Fortnite, Genshin Impact. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, no no Man's Sky uh, here. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, I can see maybe Destiny 2 not making it here. Yeah. Uh, Fortnite and Apex Legends makes sense. Genshin Impact makes sense, but also the community seems to hate it so much. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those games that people hate play it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Best Indie, Cult of the Lamb, Neon White, mm-hmm. Sifu, Stray, and Tunic. And it's like... You know, sort of a conversation about like what is indie anymore. Mm-hmm. As they say here, for outstanding creative and technical achievement in a game made outside the traditional publisher system. And it's like one of these games is published by Devolver Digital, two of these are by Annapurna Interactive, mm-hmm. one by Finji. Uh, Slow Clap uh, is the only one publishing Sifu, mm-hmm. the developer. So it's like, how is Devolver Digital and Annapurna not part of the traditional publisher system? Yeah. That's not to say those games aren't great indie games. It's just the way that indie is a term about like the spirit of a game or mm-hmm. the budget versus the the way it used to be, which was sort of a lot of self-published games. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, I would have put Vampire Survivors in here. Mm-hmm. It was made by, I think, one or two dudes. Yeah. And it's like a huge popular game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they get the mobile games, which is Apex Legends, uh, Diablo Immortal, Genshin Impact. Marvel Snap and Tower of Fantasy. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, sure. A lot of those, three of those, four of those are big budget games. Uh, Tower of Fantasy probably is too, has Perfect World publishing it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, best community support. Organizing a game for outstanding community support, transparency and responsiveness, inclusive of social media activity and game updates slash patches. Mm. As like Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy 14, Fortnite, and No Man's Sky. And it's like, I'm still not 100% sure what this category is for. It's like, it includes their social me- social media stuff, which is like, I guess, No Man's Sky, because Sean Murphy you know, retweets a lot of people talking about No Man's Sky and all the cool stuff they do. Mm-hmm. Like, Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy 14, and Fortnite get constant social media attention. Oh, yeah. So it's like, I don't know. And that one's also, that one has a sponsored by Discord tag mm. on it. So I don't know what that's about. Yeah. There's innovation accessibility, recognizing software and or hardware that is pushing the medium forward, mm. by adding features, technology, and content to help games be, be played and enjoyed by an even wider audience. And there's As Dusk Falls, God of War Ragnarok, Return to Monkey Island, The Last of Us Part 1, and The Quarry. Mm-hmm. Those are all good choices. There may be others that may also deserve to make it. Mm-hmm. There's like best VR AR. I'm not going to go into that. Best action game, which has Bayonetta 3, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, mm-hmm. Neon White, Sifu, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Mm. And it's like, what the fuck is an action game anymore? Yep. Uh, it's like, for the best game in the action genre, focused primi- primarily on combat. And it's like, Call of Duty is a shooter. Mm-hmm. Now, the rest of these, Neon White, you can even argue, is a shooter. Yeah. As well, because that's the primary thing you're doing is shooting at enemies or using your guns to platform. Yeah. Uh, the other three are action games, but those are all good ones. But mm-hmm. just genres are also stupid. Mm-hmm. It's hard to, the way that games are, you know, just pulling in aspects of various genres. Mm-hmm. It's hard to pin everything into one thing. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, his best action adventure, which has a Plague Tale Requiem, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Tunic. Mm. It's like, okay, there's a lot of weird stuff here. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, RPG is Elden Ring, Live Alive, Pokemon yeah. Legends, Arceus, uh, Triangle Strategy, and Xenoblade Chronicle 3. Mm, yeah. I mean, they're all good, yeah, but... Yeah, it's just weird what like what an RPG is like triangle strategy. There's a, a there's a category for like sim and strategy games. Yeah. That seems like I, that would be a place for that one. Mm-hmm. But then that probably got more nominations here in role playing. Mm-hmm. And they probably don't want to butt in with that stuff. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Let's get the best fighting. DNF mm-hmm. Duel, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, All Star Battle R. Mm-hmm. Fighters 14 or King of Fighters 15, Multiverses, and Sifu. Uh, didn't freaking Guilty Gear Strive come out this year? Or it might have been last. Sifu is not a fighting game. Yeah, it's not. It's it's an action game. Yeah, there's no multiplayer. Mm-hmm. It's like, did people just nominate this so much, and somebody didn't say like, hey, that's not. A part of the genre. It's literally nominated in mm-hmm. the best action game category. Mm-hmm. Not saying games shouldn't be able to blend into others if they have you know equal parts of that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like best family, as is known as the Nintendo category. Mm-hmm. Kirby in a Forgotten Land, Lego Star Wars, Skywalker Saga, Mario Plus Rabbit, Spark of Hope, Sparks of Hope, Nintendo Switch mm-hmm. Sports, and Splatoon Three. Yeah, and it's like okay, sure. Like Sim Strategy is where uh, best game focused on real time or turn based simulation or strategy gameplay, mm-hmm. irrespective of platform. It's like Dune Spice Wars, which is early access. It shouldn't count, mm-hmm. I would say. Mario Plus Rabbit, Sparks of Hope. So there's a turn based strategy game like that. Triangle Strategy has also been in here. Mm. Total War, Warhammer 3, Two Point Campus, Victoria 3. It's like, okay. Also, Hard Space Shipbreaker, I could put here. I know they're not talking about that kind of sim, but like, why isn't that a category? Mm-hmm. Like that or uh, Power Wash Simulator, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, like Best Sports Slash Racing. It's like F122, FIFA 23, NBA 2K23, Gran Turismo 7, and Ollie Ollie World. Mm-hmm. It's like one of these games is not like the others. Uh, that's Ollie Ollie World, a game that is rad. It's Obviously, a sports game because it's very much barring in the like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater kind of mold, yeah, of things. But it's definitely not going to win against all these other big budget games. Mm-hmm. And like best multiplayer is all stuff that I guess multi. It's Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two, Multiverses, Overwatch Two. Which how did Overwatch Two get in here? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very much a recency bias. The mm-hmm. the the Overwatch Degenerates must have voted that in. <laughs> uh, Splatoon 3, and then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Yeah. Which you wouldn't necessarily consider a multiplayer, but they include co-op here, and that's got six-player co-op in that. Mm-hmm. Sort of a weird inclusion. You know, they get their, the best debut indie. This is where they go. Here's for the indies that aren't going to make other categories. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neon White, Norco, Stray, Tunic, and Vampire Survivor. So there's Empire Survivors getting some love. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's like a shame that this this 
award system isn't going to recognize, you know, the games that matter mm-hmm. for this year versus the games that are the most popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, which is like the opposite problem that the Oscars has. Yeah. You know, that goes for the game, the, the movies that matter the most versus you know, your Marvels or Star Wars or, you know, Fast and Furious or anything like that is generally yeah. not going to get nominated for anything, but maybe like special effects, like smaller awards. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of the the weirdest thing. Mm. But hey, now there's a most anticipated game list that's not going to be won by Elden Ring. Yeah. As that won the last two years. Yep. Which it should have been taken off for the second year. Hmm. They've already voted it the most anticipated. Why would they? Yeah. But then again, but there's like Final Fantasy 16, Hogwarts Legacy. You know, yeah. thing people are ex- excited for, I guess. Yeah, uh, I guess. Resident Evil 4, Starfield. Mm-hmm. And The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Okay, those last two I can definitely understand. Yeah. That was like best esports game. They actually put Rocket League in this year. Yeah. Then the other esports categories, it does not show up at all. Mm-hmm. But like best player and team and all that. And coach. It's like, what? what's the point of putting Rocket League in the one if they're not going to make the others? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's the game awards. That's the stuff yeah. that's... People get angry about, but care more about reveals that'll happen. So, yeah, I believe that's December eighth for the show itself. So, mm-hmm. I think we'll try to uh, co-stream it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, we'll end the show with a uh, Black Friday preview because that is coming up here, and Black Friday doesn't really mean anything anymore. Nope, <laughs> uh, because a lot of these deals you can get right now. Yeah. Uh, you do not have to wait for this. Some you might. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is a list that I got off of Reset Era. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't see one on Cheap Ass Gamer for this sort of thing. But this does a pretty good job of covering a lot of the the, the retail games. Uh-huh. Uh, but yes, there's some notable things on here. Like Gotham Knights that just came out is on sale already. Let me see if I can... Find a specific prices on. I think PSN and Xbox Live, it's like 40% off, mm-hmm. which is fast. Uh, and you can get it 40 bucks at Best Buy right now. Mm-hmm. And Walmart, I think it's supposed to be go live in the next day or two, but it's going to be yeah. 35 bucks half off. Mm-hmm. It's like that game just came out and you can get it half off. Yeah. That's a lot of money that they're giving up to sell copies. Mm hmm. It's like Sonic Frontiers, you may be able to get it for a good bit cheaper, like 40 bucks at Best Buy, uh, 40 bucks at Target, maybe like 35 to $29 on Walmart. Yeah. So like, if you're willing to jump in for that much for a game that's uh, a bit janky and all that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that. Uh, Soul Hackers 2 is half off mm-hmm. at a bunch of places. That's one to keep an eye on for something that's recent. Uh, you can get the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Cowabunga collection for twenty five bucks at Best Buy, twenty bucks at yeah. Target. Mm-hmm. Like that's a good deal for that. All the recent Square Enix games are also going to be on sale. The Diofield Chronicle, uh, what Star Ocean mm-hmm. is fifty bucks. Yeah, from forty bucks, I think. Uh, the Diofield Chronicles forty bucks from I think fifty or sixty, whatever that was. Yeah. Uh, was it Valkyrie? Uh, Valkyrie Elysium is going to be forty bucks on sale. Mm. 
if you want that. Uh, there's a lot of stuff like that for recent things that are pretty cheap. You can get the quarry for uh, potentially like 30 bucks, maybe 20 bucks at Walmart mm-hmm. for all the versions. Uh, and if you've been waiting this long, you get Breath of the Wild for $30. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hilarious. Uh, it's like 40 bucks at Best Buy, 30 bucks at Target, mm-hmm. like 29 bucks at Walmart. It's like, man, that's a whole thing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can get like The Last of Us Part 2 for 10 bucks. Last of Us Remaster for ten bucks, but the the new Last of Us Part One is fifty bucks at Best Buy and Target, and I think PSN as well. Mm. Uh, yeah, what else is on here that's noteworthy? Uh, if you can get No Man's Sky on sale, it's like thirty bucks, maybe forty mm. bucks. Uh, I think it's thirty bucks on PSN. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be a launch title for PlayStation VR two if you're getting that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can get that. Uh, uh, upgrade or updates for the PSVR 2 for a pretty good price. Mm-hmm. It's about as good a price as it usually goes on sale. Maybe 25 bucks is the cheapest I've seen for it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, the one place where uh, the digital destroys the retail, uh, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit Remastered. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 15 bucks at all these different places uh, for the ones that have it. I saw it was $4 on PSN. Mm. It was 90% off. That's where EA is at for some of these. They've been putting all of their EA or Need for Speed games randomly on sale for 40 bucks or for mm-hmm. for like 90% off or whatever. You did 90% off. So if you are in the mood for a decent racing game like that, uh, mm. the Need for Speed Hot Pursuit is great. Uh, there's a lot of stuff here. Like the, the recent AI, the Somnium Files, Nirvana Interactive is pretty decent price. I think. Persona 5 Royal, it just launched on Switch and PS, PS5 and Xbox. It's like half off now. So I'm like, oh, sorry, you guys, for just buying it for 60 bucks, 60 or 50 bucks or whatever. It's half off now. Mm. Uh, so that's the unfortunate thing. But the yeah, you can take a look at this spreadsheet. It should give you a decent idea of what to uh, look at mm-hmm. for interesting stuff. There's definitely a lot there, though the retail stuff is not what I'm all that interested in because mm. I don't really want physical stuff unless it's something I can't get digital mm-hmm. uh, for that price. But a lot of these will usually hit the, the prices there at soon enough. Mm. I'm fighting hard not to buy Gotham Knights for like 40 bucks. Cause I don't, I'm not going to play it mm-hmm. most likely not going to play it, but it's just like, Oh, that's cheap. I should just get that, but I'm not going to play it. So why, why should I buy it? Yeah. Why not wait and wait for it to go 30 bucks? Maybe mm-hmm. January or uh, February. Yeah. Or 20 bucks. You know, same for Sonic Frontiers. I have the, the game from Gamefly. I thought I'd just be more inclined to just pay the money to keep it. Mm-hmm. Instead of dealing with the this shit. But also a good one uh, for Horizon Forbidden West. Get the PS4 version for 30 bucks and you can get the free upgrade to the PS5 version. Mm-hmm. And you won't need the uh, to pay more for it. That's the the weird game where they have the free upgrade, mm-hmm. but the PS4 version PS4 version is like ten bucks cheaper than the PS5 version. Mm-hmm. Uh, so unfortunately, some people will be buying it outright. Yeah, for more more than they should have. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff to keep an eye on here. Mm-hmm. Far Cry Six is like ten bucks at Best Buy, which I was like eyeing that pretty hard, and I was like, wait, I'm not gonna play that fucking game. Why the mm-hmm. fuck should I buy it? Yeah, I'll just wait until it's on like Game Pass or PlayStation Plus. Mm-hmm. Then all my problems are solved. Yep. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there you go. That's uh, that stuff. I more bought movies. There's a bunch of ten dollar ones, and I was like. I'll get some stuff here. I'll get everything everywhere all at once. I think it's the one that's 10 bucks at Best Buy for the 4K Blu-ray. I was like, I don't want to see that. 10 bucks is a good price for that. Saves me having to Google search what's what subscription service it's on mm-hmm. and paying money to for a month to watch it. Mm-hmm. I can just have the disc and I can watch it whenever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, thank you to Brandon for joining this week. Always. Uh, we'll be back next week, uh, full of food and drinks and all that. Oh yeah. Uh, as we recover and then get ready for the 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 final leg of 2022, mm-hmm. as the rest of the holiday season comes in to try and uh, roll us over and mm-hmm. smush us and destroy us and yeah, cut us into tiny pieces and uh, bury us. Mm as this, this is the way this holiday season's feeling so far. Mm-hmm. So yeah, stay safe, stay uh, healthy and happy. Hopefully mm-hmm. uh, we'll be back next week with a new slate of news. If you enjoy the show, for you let friends and family know that mm-hmm. they should check it out and we'll hope to keep having more podcasts of fun stuff and games and news to talk about. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, thank you all for tuning in. Hope you have a good one and we'll see you all next time. <laughs>